All right, let's go to Lord in prayer. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for this morning that we can come together around your word. Thank you for the blessing it is to have your words spoken, written for us so we can hear them, learn from them, and grow from them. And so Jesus, we pray that we would not be the same as we go out from this place as we were when we came in. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So a couple months ago, I was leaving early in the morning for a, a meeting on a Tuesday. So I... I'm about to head out the door. I give my beautiful wife, Megan, a kiss goodbye. Kiss my little baby. I have a little 15-month-year-old girl. Daughter, Eden, give her a kiss goodbye. I'm about to run out the door, grab my coffee, look down at the counter, and I am missing my keys. So I look at all the usual spots. That's where you start. But I can't find them. And then I get nervous because I'm running late for the meeting now. We've all been there, right? You're late for work. You're trying to get out the door. You're not actually awake because the caffeine from your coffee hasn't kicked in yet, but you're missing your keys. And so, of course, I start by blaming the baby. With her five-word vocabulary, it's a little difficult for her to defend herself. She's an easy target, but still, I can't find my keys. So now I'm getting really worked up. I'm sprinting around the house. Our dog thinks that it's a game, so he's running into me around every, he's about 100 pounds, he's knocking me over around every corner, and suddenly I just stop, and I reach down in my pocket, and yeah, you know where my keys were, don't you? So out of the room, Megan comes, I go, hey, hey, babe, found my keys, have a good morning, I love you, have a good day, see you later. Now, ladies, I have no idea how you know this kind of stuff about your husband's. My only guess is that there's some kind of superhero trait every woman gets when they get married, that they just have this spidey sense when their husband's being ridiculous. So she goes, they were in your pocket, weren't they? <laughs> I'm like, no, 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 I just found them. Well, where'd you find them? Oh, I, 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 I found them. No, 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 no. <laughs> Darvin, where'd you find your keys? They were in my pocket. <laughs> Sometimes we can miss things that are really obvious, can't we? Sometimes it's the obvious things that we miss most often. Sometimes something as obvious as a key in your pocket, you are going to miss. But what if most of us are missing one of the most obvious, important things in our faith? What if two-thirds of us Two-thirds of us are missing the key to our faith. You think, I, I, I think there's something. I think there's someone that most of us miss most of the time. And like missing your keys in the morning and suddenly looking down in your pocket, I think most of us miss out on the Holy Spirit. The Barna Group did a study recently. And they found that among people in the United States, among adults that identified themselves as Christians, 58% believe that the Holy Spirit is a symbol. Catch that? A symbol, just a symbol of God's power or presence, but is not a living entity. 9% more were unsure. Meaning that, listen to this, over two-thirds of the people in this country who say, I'm a Christian, are completely missing out on the Holy Spirit. The Father? Oh, yeah, 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 we know him. The Son? 
Yeah, yeah, we, we know the Son. But the Holy Spirit? We miss out on the Holy Spirit. Most of us miss out on the Holy Spirit most of the time. And so this morning, I want to let Jesus reintroduce us to the Holy Spirit. Just reintroduce us to the Holy Spirit because I think we miss him most of the time because we're a bit confused about who this Holy Spirit is, what this Holy Spirit does. And so we come this morning to John chapter 14. And Jesus is going to be discussing the Holy Spirit with his disciples. Now, it's really important where we are in the gospel. So you see, this is the night before Jesus is betrayed and heads to the cross. And so he's giving his, his disciples his, his final teaching. Everything I say is so important. You guys have got to listen to me on this one. And he's going to talk about the Holy Spirit twice, chapter 14 and chapter 16 in this, this section we call the upper room discourse. So we're going to come back to the Holy Spirit in about three weeks in chapter 16. So think about this as the Holy Spirit part one, and we'll have the Holy Spirit part two in a few weeks. And so the aim for today, part one, is to begin to get just a framework of how to think about the Holy Spirit so we don't keep missing him. And as we head through this discussion of Jesus just, just introducing the Spirit to these disciples who are just getting an idea of who he is, we're going to see him answer three basic questions everyone needs to know about the Holy Spirit. Who receives the Holy Spirit? Who is the Holy Spirit? And what does the Holy Spirit do? All right? So, first question that Jesus is going to answer for us about the Holy Spirit is, who receives the Holy Spirit? He's actually going to repeat this a number of times in our passage. Here's three times he does it. Verses 15 to 17, if you love me, keep my commands, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. Verse 21, whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. The one who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love them and show myself to them. And then verse 23, Anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My father will love them, and he will come to them and make our home with them. Jesus keeps repeating this idea over and over again. Keeping my commands, your obedience to me, reveals the genuine nature of your love for me. And guys, if your love for me is real, I'm going to give you this gift of the Holy Spirit. So who receives the Holy Spirit? Those who genuinely love Jesus. Now before we get tripped up here, because you can, our obedience, our actions, they don't initiate a relationship with God, right? Our actions themselves are not why we receive salvation and this incredible gift of the Holy Spirit. Instead, if you look at what Jesus says throughout this passage, you find that his love for us and our love for him is what initiates our relationship with God. And then and only then, our obedience to him reveals whether or not our love for him is genuine. Some years ago, I was given a, uh, a crystal glass as a present for Christmas. A crystal drinking glass made out of crystal. Which makes absolutely no sense because I am the least fancy person that I know. It's one of those things that's so nice, you, you kind of put it in a cabinet and you never touch it. 
Jake was at my house last year and he pulled it out of the cabinet, started putting some water in it. I'm like, no, 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 put that away. We don't actually use that. That's just to look at. Put that cup away. It's expensive. Now, maybe you're a crystal expert, but I'm not. I have got no idea how to tell crystal from just a plain old glass that you could get at the thrift store. But luckily, on the bottom of this glass, there's this stamp that says genuine crystal, right? Now, that stamp does not make my glass crystal, does it? My daughter's got a plastic penguin sippy cup. I could buy a sticker that said genuine crystal and put that right on the bottom, couldn't I? But that's not going to make that sippy cup crystal. It's just not. The stamp doesn't make it real crystal, but it is the only way that I know it's crystal. It's the same thing with Jesus. Our actions don't make our faith. Our obedience doesn't earn us salvation and the Holy Spirit. Instead, our obedience, our actions, the things we do with our lives, they're a stamp. They're a stamp that says this person's faith is genuine. This person's love for their Savior, it's real. And only those whose whose genuine love for Jesus receive Holy Spirit. But on the flip side, those without genuine faith don't receive the Holy Spirit. Not everyone has the Holy Spirit. It's important to note. Jesus says in verse 17, the world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. The Spirit does not live in those who do not believe in Jesus. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. The Holy Spirit doesn't live in those who say they're Christians, but whose hypothetical beliefs change absolutely nothing about their lives. The Spirit does not live in those who say they're Christians, but who bowed in obedience to culture or other pressures instead of bow to obedience to the Lord. Who receives the Holy Spirit? Those who genuinely love Jesus. They receive the Holy Spirit. Second question we want to look at that Jesus answers for us in this passage is, who is the Holy Spirit? Remember that the the disciples, this is some of the first times that they're hearing about the Holy Spirit. They don't know who the Holy Spirit is, and so Jesus is giving them just some kind of basic outlines about who this Holy Spirit is. We could learn more and more and more if we looked other places in Scripture, but here's a few aspects of who this Holy Spirit is. Right off the bat, we see that the Holy Spirit is God. Jesus does this by revealing his unity with the Holy Spirit. In verse 28, Jesus says, I am going away and I am coming back to you. And he says, I will come to you, speaking about the Holy Spirit after his death and resurrection, I will come to you. In verse 18. So, Jesus and the Holy Spirit, they're so united that Jesus can actually use the word I in describing when the Holy Spirit comes. The Holy Spirit and I are so one that the Spirit's coming is my presence coming back to my disciples after my death and resurrection. And because Jesus is God and the Holy Spirit and Jesus are one, the Holy Spirit himself is God. And then if you look in verse 16, Jesus tells us that the Spirit will be with us forever, meaning that the Holy Spirit is eternal. Only God is eternal. 
And elsewhere in scripture, we see the spirit referred to as holy and true. We see the spirit with the power over life, the authority to judge. We see that the spirit knows all, is everywhere. All of these are attributes that other places in scripture, it's very clear they're reserved only for God because the Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity. So who's the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit is God. But the Holy Spirit is also a person. Look at verse 17 again. The Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. Did you reread this verse? Does Jesus talk about the Holy Spirit as an it or a thing? Nope. He talks about the Holy Spirit as a he or a him. He talks about the Spirit as a person. And right in the middle, he says, you know him. The Holy Spirit is a person that we can know. In Scripture, we see the Holy Spirit speak, think, decide, act. We see the Holy Spirit have emotions. We see the Holy Spirit do things in relationship with us, like like comfort, counsel, give, things Only a person does. Meaning just like God the Father, just like Jesus the Son, the Holy Spirit is a unique and knowable personality. If you've picked up on your idea of God from Hinduism or Buddhism or even Star Wars, you might think of the divine as a force, kind of this immaterial, impersonal force, a a binding energy not a person you can know. And that's totally different than the person, the Holy Spirit that we find in the Bible. The difference is like this. Who has a microwave? Right? Who has a microwave? Okay. Raise your hand if you know how that thing works. Engineers don't count. Right? (laughs) I have no idea how my microwave at home works. No idea. There's some kind of force in there. I can't see it, and out pops my food with boiling hot edges in a frozen middle. (laughs) I've got no idea how that force force in there works. And often that's how we see the Holy Spirit, this kind of confusing, unknowable force that we, we know is there, but we think it's unknowable. But now, who has a best friend, right? Somebody you know, somebody you love, someone who knows you back, who's going to comfort you when times are difficult, or is going to guide you when things are hard. Who's got a best friend? If you're thinking of the Holy Spirit as a force, it's like thinking of your best friend as a microwave. (laughs) It's going to leave you really confused about who the Holy Spirit is, and it's going to hurt your relationship with God. The Holy Spirit's not an immaterial, unknowable force like your microwave, but a person like your best friend. And this means the Holy Spirit makes it possible to know the creator of the universe. Who is the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit is a person. And then the Holy Spirit also lives in us. In John 14, 20, Jesus says, On that day you will realize that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. 
some confusing language, right? What he's saying is that on the day that the disciples are gonna receive the Holy Spirit, we're gonna see this early in the book of Acts. On that day, the Holy Spirit, God will be in them. Not with them, not beside them, not watching over them. The Holy Spirit will be in them. God living in them. And then in verse 23, I love this imagery here. Jesus says this, my father will love them and we will come to them and make our home with them. That's a great image, right? The Holy Spirit is God taking up residence in us, making us his home. A few years ago, Megan and I bought a house and uh, it was falling apart, right? Every time you touch a shower head, it gave you a little shock of electricity to know, let you know it was there. The pipes thought that you should drain out into the basement instead of the sewer. Had a few problems. So we move in, we buy this house, and we make it our home. We started to improve it, fix it, work on it. We put art and furniture in it just to make it our own. And we started a family in it. We brought life to it. That's what the Holy Spirit does in us. It's God moving in and making us his home. And he starts to work on us. He makes us his. He brings life to us. He makes us his home. If you believe in Jesus, then God lives in you. He makes you his home. And that is absolutely incredible. So, who is the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit is God. The Holy Spirit is a person, and the Holy Spirit be- lives in believers. And then our third big question is this. What does the Holy Spirit do? This one, we're just going to scratch the surface, okay? So, verse 26, Jesus gets us started. He says that the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said. So, In one verse, we see that the Holy Spirit advocates for us. The Holy Spirit teaches us, reminds us of Jesus' words. That's one verse. If we were to look everywhere in Scripture, we would create pages and pages of what the Holy Spirit does. Do you guys have till Wednesday? Okay, maybe some of you have a lunch. So we're going to constrain it. We're going to just look at, at, at a brief list and constrain it only to what the Spirit does in us. This list is so much bigger, but, but that's what we're going to look at. So this is a short, incomplete list of what the Holy Spirit does, of what's available to us because the Holy Spirit living in us. All right? Are you ready? We're going to kind of go fast. The Holy Spirit guides us into truth. The Holy Spirit prays on our behalf. Praise on our behalf. Think about that one. Praise on our behalf. Who's ever been in a difficult spot in life and gone, man, I, I don't know if I even have the words to pray right now, right? Who's ever had a pray like, prayer like this? You sit down and say, God, Father, I, ah, <laughs> right? Guess what? God heard that prayer because the Holy Spirit interpreted and prayed on your behalf. The Holy Spirit prays on our behalf. Holy Spirit gives us unity. This is one of the values. Unity is one of the values of this church. We say this, as a unified body, we will put aside our own interests, resolve conflicts peacefully, and together champion the objectives of the church. We're not alone in that. The Holy Spirit helps us do that, helps us create unity. 
in our church and amongst other Christians. Holy Spirit reveals God to us, gives us access to God, empowers us for ministry, gives us his fruit, like love and joy, self-control, gives spiritual gifts, leads us. Anybody need some direction in life right now? Holy Spirit sets us free from sin and death, gives us life, speaks through us, transforms us, strengthens our spirit. Who needs a bit of strength? Convicts us of sin, gives us joy. Who couldn't use a little God-given joy? Holy Spirit comforts us. And this list, this list is just barely scratching the surface of what the Holy Spirit does in and through us. But what I want you to think about just for a second is, is how you pray. Just how you normally pray. Because a lot of us spend about all of our time in prayer asking God to fix situations in our lives. A lot of us spend all our time in prayer asking God to uh, make me healthy, give me this car, help me get that house, fix this person. And you know what? God wants to hear that. God wants to hear what's on our heart. He wants to hear those things. But if that's all we pray about, if our prayers get consumed with that, look what we're missing out on. Look what we're missing out on that's available to us through the Holy Spirit living in us. The Spirit is here to transform what's going on in you instead of fix what's going on around you. Listen to this. The Spirit's here to transform what's going on in you instead of fix what's going on around you. So I want to give you a practical challenge this week. In your sermon notes, this table should be right right in there, okay? Take that home. I want you to pick out one, two, maybe three of these that you want to pray about that the Holy Spirit would move and transform you in that this week, okay? I want you to pray for that every single day this week. Do you think God's going to be faithful to make that happen? I do. I do. So do it. Because that sort of prayer is exactly what the Holy Spirit is available in us to do and transform and change us. And we could spend days, we really could, exploring, expanding this list of what the Holy Spirit does. But there's something on this list that you've been feeling like you've been missing lately, isn't there? there there's something that if you read through this list, you go, man, I, I, I've been missing that. And you've been trying to find it. You're running around the house trying to find it. You're missing it. You're looking all over the place. You're trying harder. You're trying to learn more, do better. But maybe the key to your faith, the key to that thing is already right there in your pocket. If you feel like you're missing something in your faith, maybe you're actually missing someone. Maybe like two-thirds of Americans who say, I'm a Christian. Who you're missing is the Holy Spirit. And he's the key to your faith moving forward because you don't have to do this faith thing alone. That's why we have the Holy Spirit, to guide and empower, to strengthen and teach, to comfort and counsel us. And if you genuinely love Jesus, the key's already right there in your pocket. Don't miss this. The Holy Spirit lives in you. But maybe some of us have an idea of a God who is distant, who can't be 
known? Who's far away? Who's uninterested in your life? If you're not so sure about the the Jesus thing, I want you to know that the God of the Bible is not that God. The God Jesus spoke of is as knowable as a best friend. The God Jesus spoke of is as close as family. The God Jesus spoke of is not uninterested in your life, but is as attentive and interested in you as the best father. So if you've given up on the idea of faith, if you've given up on the idea of God because you've seen him as this, this, this distant force who's somewhere out there just kind of waiting for your me- next mess up, I've got good news. God the Father loves you. God the Son sacrificed himself for you. And God the Spirit is a person who wants to really know you. And that person, that Holy Spirit, he's here right now, this moment, invading this room with the power and the presence and the love of God. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, so often we miss the obvious things in life, Lord. I know I do. So we pray, Lord, that we wouldn't keep missing your spirit. We pray, Lord, that we could just live this life aware that you, you're, you're living in us, that so many things are available to us through the Holy Spirit. I pray and challenge us, Lord, to go home and pray through this week that you would do one of these things in our life, Lord, that you would change us, mold us, transform us through the immeasurable power of your Holy Spirit. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.